But I think sometimes we lose sight of the fact that we're His ambassadors here on earth. And we should play that part, shouldn't we? We should act that part correctly. Uh, all hearts free uh, before we go to the Lord, uh, in, before we turn our attention to the Scripture. Anybody have anything on your heart that needs to be said or done? Anything at all? Silence is consent. So <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll turn our attention at this time to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, and we're going to read the first 11 verses. Acts chapter 1, 1 through 11. And it says, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, though he through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, say, which saith he, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked, him, asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of, to Israel? And he saith unto them, It is not for you to know the time or, season, or the seasons, which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you, into heaven shall shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. And so with the mistakes that we made, we've read the, uh, the, the very first verse of the book of Acts, uh, chapter 1 to the 11th verse of the first chapter of the book of Acts. And I'd like for us to uh, try to wrap our minds around or take for a thought for the day, uh, you know, Thanksgiving is done with and over. If we look at the calendar, you know, there's there's one thing that everybody has turned their attention and focus towards it in there, uh, and that's Christmas. Once Thanksgiving's over, now in my household that begins once Halloween's over, and there's a one day respite. That's when you have Thanksgiving, and then it's cr the second Christmas. So Christmas now begins more along the lines of November first. And then there's a brief pause for Thanksgiving, um, and then they continue with Christmas. But if you go into history, it actually doesn't begin till the first day of December. And, uh, and that's when you would really start looking at Advent. And if we really thought about what Advent is, that's what we're going to take for our thought this morning. Advent in our day. Advent in our day. And... 
you know, as we look here in our scripture text, you know, Christ had already come and Christ had lived his life and Christ had been crucified and Christ had risen and, and here he is and, and these men are, are permitted to stand and watch Christ be taken up into heaven in a cloud. And, you know, two men stood by them in white apparel. Two angels manifested themselves right there beside them and asked them a question, didn't they? Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? And, you know, he's saying, why, why are you guys standing here with no doubt their jaw agape? <laughs> Could you imagine the sight that they're permitted to behold here? No doubt their my jaw would be on the floor <laughs> trying to wrap my head around what I'm seeing. And, and you, so they're standing there and they're, they're beholding the sight and the angels that manifested themselves there in their presence, they said, why stand you gazing up into the heavens? Do you not know that he'll come again in the like manner as you have seen him go? And I'm paraphrasing that. He's coming back again the same way you just saw him leave. And ever since that day, what the Christian expectation for Advent was, was changed, wasn't it? Now, what does it mean? Well, let's first and foremost, let's just get into it. What does it mean, Advent? Because, you know, when we think of Advent, what do we think of usually? We think of getting the calendar that the kids poke the thing out in one day, one day, until you get up until the 25th of December. Uh, and, and then that's when Advent would take place, right? And so it's wrapped around, the whole idea and concept of Advent is wrapped around the birth of Jesus Christ, isn't it? But let's look at what does Advent really mean? And so we took the definition for Advent from the, from the 1811 um, dictionary, uh, Merriam-Webster's 1811. And so here's what the, uh, the actual definition for it is. And, and it's very short and it's very simple and it just says it's a coming. It's a coming. Now, before Jesus was born, there in Nazareth, they had been expecting his coming, hadn't they? And if we go back over here and we look in Luke chapter 2, we know that they were expecting his coming and uh, because the Bible tells us plainly that they've been expecting his coming. And a matter of fact, when news of his birth had arrived into the ears of Herod, Herod had asked, where is it that he would be born? And they responded to him and they said, in Nazareth of Judea. And then Herod gave that horrible command, didn't he? And so you know that it was a space of approximately two years before Herod had found out that Christ had been born into the world. So he said, let's just be safe. And every man child that's been born that's two years and under, every one of them needs to be killed. But the, they had been expecting his arrival, hadn't they? They had been expecting his advent. They had been expecting him to come. And that's what we generally wrap the whole idea of Advent around, isn't it? Is that Christ is going to come because what was it that they were looking for? They were looking for Christ to come back and set all things back in order, wasn't they? But they weren't wanting it 
in the mode that God wanted it. They wanted that everything to be set back in order in the way that they wanted it set back in order. They wanted the kingdom to be restored. They wanted the kingdom of, uh, of Israel to be put back together in the way that it was in the day that David reigned over it. And that's their expectation for Christ, that when He would come, He would come back and He would be in the model of David. And He would be a king like that. But he'd be greater because he'd have to be greater because when David was alive, David called him Lord, didn't he? And so it's a coming. And then it goes in, and then Webster goes into detail. He says, appropriately, the coming of our Savior. And that is correct. And in the calendar, it includes four Sabbaths before Christmas, beginning of St. Andrew's Day. And so the four Sundays before, before Christmas Day, that's what he's talking about. Or on the Sabbath next, before, or after it. It is intended as a season of devotion with reference to the coming of Christ in the flesh. And now I want to stop there because he adds something to this and we'll get to the something that he adds to it. And, and, and because if we stop right there, we would all say, yes, that's what we generally think of when we think of Advent. It is Christ coming in the flesh. Christ being born, being laid in a manger and swaddling clothes, the angel appearing uh, to the shepherds uh, that were keeping watch over the flock by night and telling them that if they would go and seek after him, they'd find the babe laying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. I think that's all that they needed to hear. They knew exactly where to go from based on that uh, information that the angel had relayed to them. Uh, and so uh, uh, we look here and uh, uh, we think about this uh, this topic of Advent. Uh, Jesus had had said about his uh, himself here uh, when he was in the world. Don't you know that when he was in the world, they 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 doubted, they questioned him, they did not believe based upon the things that they saw with their physical eyes, they did not believe based upon Christ's life. Even though the miracles, we can read about Nicodemus saying that we know thou art a man from come, come from God because no man can do the miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And so they recognized in the miracles that the miracles were a performance, a supernatural performance of God. Yet they still denied him the whole time, isn't it? Now, we look back at that and we think with our notion and ad, uh, our idea of Advent that them living in the day, they should have certainly been able to appreciate the Advent and the coming of the Lord. But that's not what we find, is it? Through his whole life they doubted him. And we go into Mark 14 and we read here when Jesus was put on a mock trial. Uh, we read here in Mark chapter 14. Uh, after the witnesses that they had ginned up had failed, uh, the, the high priest stands up in the midst and asks Jesus, saying, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? But he, but he held his peace and he answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him and said unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. <laughs> I am. 
And that should have been all that needed to be said right there, wouldn't it? But that wasn't enough. That was that did not satisfy uh, their desire for an advent of the Messiah in the in the manner and the mode that they craved. And actually, they rejected Jesus as being uh, their Messiah, even there at the trial, uh, or, or there as Pilate tried to release him. Uh, he said, "Let me release this man. He's done nothing." And they said, "Away with this man!" Cruise crucify him, crucify him, and then they went so far as to even say, we have no king other than Caesar. That's a total throwing off and rejection of God as being the king over the kingdom which he formed by promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jesus said, I am, and he said, and ye shall see, and listen to what he said, and ye shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. And so he says that you're going to see something coming down the road that's going to be even more miraculous than this first coming was, even though that was spectacular in and of itself, for it was a fulfillment of prophecy, wasn't it? For Isaiah had prophesied and said, For a virgin shall conceive. And God had preached in the Garden of Eden before any of that had taken place that the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent and the head of the serpent would bruise the heel uh, of that seed. Jesus would win, wouldn't he? He would crush Satan. And so he tells them, he says, listen to me. There's another advent coming that you're going to witness that's greater than the one that you witnessed in Nazareth. The one in Nazareth, as miraculous and spectacular as it was, it actually pales in comparison to the advent that's coming down the road. Now, if those of us that are saved, it's not that first advent that we look forward to. You may have that little box in your house and you may punch out all of those days till you get to the 25th, but let's just be honest, most of us aren't looking forward when we're punching out those holes in that box. We aren't looking forward to the fact that that's the day that we worship the Lord. Most of us in the day and the age that we live today are looking forward to saying that's the day we open presents. Thanksgiving's gone and over with. If you're here today and you're lost, I want you to know something. That Advent has already taken place, and it's not going to happen again. There's another Advent that's coming down the road that's going to be much more fearful than a baby lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. It's going to be one that's so fearful that everybody that is in the world that does not already know Him will cry out to the hills and the rocks, cover us. They're going to seek shelter wherever they can, but I'm going to tell you, it's not not going to stop this advent from coming nevertheless. Well, the the high priest heard Christ say that, and here's what his reaction to it was. He rent his clothes and he said, "What what need we any further witnesses? You have heard his blasphemy. In other words, he said, this guy's a blasphemer, and so what's the just punishment for a blasphemer? Death. And so he says, we don't need to hear another word. And so they condemned him to be guilty of death. And they began to spit on him, and they covered his face, and 
they buffeted him. That's what they did in Jesus' first advent. And they said, prophesy. And the servants did strike him with the palms of their hands. Tell us who it was that struck you. I'll tell you right now, he could have told them everyone that struck him because there was a lady who had the issue of blood that when he was in throng with a multitude, she reached out and just touched the hem of his garment and he knew exactly who it was that touched the hem of his garment. You aren't fooling Jesus Christ. You aren't fooling God uh, with uh, this built-up notion that you're smarter than he is. He is omniscient. Do you know what that means? That means he already knows everything. He is the author of everything from the beginning until the end, even the author of salvation. Which is why he appeared the first time. He appeared the first time. The Hebrew writer tells us in the ninth chapter of Hebrews, in the 27th, 28th verse, as it is, one, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Nobody's getting out of that. Everybody's going to face death someday, aren't they? And so it is once appointed unto men once to die, and then after that, the judgment, we go straight to the judgment seat, don't we? Uh, And so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, uh, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin. I said there's another part of that definition uh, for for an advent. Uh, I stopped there at uh, at his fleshly birth, uh, but the second part of that is and his second coming to judge the world. That's the advent that those of us that are saved, those of us that are Christian, we look forward to the second coming, don't we? Because we don't really have anything to fear from it because he's already taken all of our sins and cast them uh, as far as the east is from the west and he's purged them from us, not by water, but by his own blood, which makes us whiter than snow. And so that's the advent that we look forward to. Paul talked about it in several places, but I'm going to choose this one, 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 4. But the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Paul's going to even give you the timeline, and Peter's going to give you the timeline when it's going to happen. And listen to this, and there's a lot of people in the world today who say they're prophets, and that they can tell you when these things are going to happen, but Peter and, and Paul are going to give you the appropriate timeline for when this second advent's going to happen. Because just like the first advent happened as a, as a bold of lightning. They didn't know when he was going to come. They didn't know how he was going to come. They just knew he would come and that it would be conceived uh, not conceived of the seed of man that he would be born of a virgin. It's very important that he's not conceived of the seed of man. Because we're not under the headship of Adam anymore if you've been saved. We're under the headship of Jesus Christ. As Adam is the head, or or as Jesus is the head of the man, so is the man the head of the woman, and so on and so forth. We're under that headship, but we're born under the headship of Adam, isn't it? That's why we are all inherently, latently sinners, because sin is passed down from the fathers to the children, because Adam looked at that fruit on the tree and he said, I'll eat it willfully. And so we look here, and Paul's going to give us the timeline. He says, For you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. 
Peter says the exact same thing. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. This when he says the day of the Lord, he's talking about the day of judgment. And if you're here today and you're not saved, I want to tell you right now, we're going to go through what you're going to experience that day. But let's touch on this. Uh, maybe that's not enough. Jesus himself in Revelation chapter 16 said, Behold, I come as a thief. So Paul and Peter and Jesus have all advocated that when the, when the second advent happens, it's going to come like a thief in the night. Well, who is prepared for a thief in the night usually? Well, nobody is, are there? Nobody, is, nobody knows when a thief is going to break through and try to steal. If they did, then the strong man of the house would stay on, be on watch, wouldn't he? We don't know when the Lord's going to come back. As a matter of fact, uh, Jesus himself says, nobody knows the date or the hour, not the angels in heaven, not even I know the hour. But the Father only has reserved that knowledge for himself. But now let's look at what's going to happen at that second advent because when he comes back, he's not coming as a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. He, that's not going to happen again. He, he came that way for a purpose and he fulfilled it. He came that way so that he could suffer and he could experience death. Not for himself but for everyone that would believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's what the reason for the first advent was, that God's plan of salvation would be fulfilled and would be made available to every person that would be born into the world in the family of Adam. It's not God's desire that any would perish. It's God's will that all would come to the knowledge of the truth. But you know what? He can't force you to come to that knowledge, can He? You have to come to the understanding that it's something that you need. Why do I need this? What do I have to... What is it that I need saving from? What is it that I have to flee away from? The second advent. It's the second advent you better be worried about. Because when he comes the second time, he's not coming without his glory. He's coming in all his glory. And in the clouds of heaven, just as they saw him depart, so shall he come again. And we look here in Matthew chapter 25, and I'm going to read a few verses here, and then we're going to stop uh, here shortly. But as we think about Advent... When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, when all His holy angels with Him, and He shall sit upon the throne of His glory. Right? This is what He's coming back to do. And notice, He's coming with all of His glory. Now, if you want to remember something, if you want to recall this, Jesus here says, I'm coming back, I'm coming in all my glory. If you recall back to when... Moses was up on top of Mount Sinai and Moses made a request and he said, Lord, let me see your glory. And he said this to Moses. He said, no man can look on my glory and live. And so you may be thinking, well, I may not die in the day that he comes back. I will tell you right now, when Jesus comes back in all of his glory, all of creation will not be able to contain it. And just as a lightning bolt strikes one part, 
one point on the on the surface of the earth, but it lights up the whole sky. The same context is going to be the coming of Christ uh, when the whole sky is lit up with the glory of God. And there he sits down on his throne. All of his angels coming with him. The brightness is going to be so bright that the sun will fade. <laughs> the sun can't outshine Jesus Christ. I got news for you. And so he says this, and before him, as he sits down on his throne there in all of his glory, and before him will be gathered all nations. This is why he's coming back in the second advent. He's not coming back uh, to do anything other than to judge the world in righteousness. And if there's something that you have to flee from, it's in this text right here. And he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. Well, the second advent of Christ, he's coming to take care of business, isn't he? You know, the first time that he was brought into this world, he was born into this world at 12 years old. We don't know what happened between when he was, other than when they went down into Egypt and when they came out of Egypt, but we don't know the ins and the outs of Christ. Uh, up until he was 12 years old, we get a flashpoint of it, don't we? And we find that Jesus has gotten separated from his from Mary and from Joseph. And they've started the journey back, but they have not noticed that he's not tagging along with him. And so they begin searching all over, looking for him. And where do they find him? They find him sitting there in the temple at 12 years old. And remember what I said, that Jesus is omniscient. The, you, must, you think it's a hard time raising your kid. Mary and Joseph had to raise somebody who was omniscient. And so here Jesus is in the temple, and he is teaching the scholars with authority at 12 years old. And so he separates the sheep from the goats. And he sets the sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. And then shall the king say unto them on the right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And that invitation, as we've already said, is to the Jew first and also to the Greek because he has taken of twain and made one new man, isn't it? And there's a peace that is unrivaled uh, in the kingdom of God. He says, For I was a hungered and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. And then we're going to stop there. And we're going to drop down a couple verses to the 41st verse. And because the righteous are going to say to him, well, when, we, when did we see you in these conditions? And when did we do these things to you? And he says, in that you've done it to the least one of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. But he turns to the, those on the left hand, doesn't he? This is what's going to happen at the next advent. This is the advent that those of us that are saved, we look forward to this day with great anticipation. Not because of what will happen to those on the left hand, because we're not even going to know about it. That's why he judges those on the right hand first. If he judged those on the left hand first, then we would take that sadness and that knowledge with us into heaven, wouldn't we? 
And in that heaven, there is no sadness, there is no sorrow, there is no sickness, there is no pain, there is no dying, there is no death. Death has been destroyed himself, hadn't he? I look forward to that day. That day's going. That that second advent is going to be so much greater than the first advent. Even though the first advent, we can't even wrap our heads around it. How a virgin could, how God could cause a virgin to conceive. We have our. We can speculate. We can have our ideas on how God did that. But the bottom line is, we don't know. What's he say to those on the left hand? Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. And look at, the, look at what he adds here. Prepared for the devil and his angels. You see, that place wasn't prepared for any one of us to ever be step foot into it. It, wasn't, it. it was not created for the habitation of humanity. It was created for the habitation of Satan and those angels that rebelled with Satan against God in heaven, and that's who it was reserved for. But all of those that have sided with him get to take part in it as well, don't they? That's going to be a terrible day for those that are on that hand. If you want to know what is it that you have to seek for the Lord for salvation for, that's it. That's it. See, Jesus suffered and died in His first advent on the cross at Calvary. He took upon Himself and He drank from the cup of wrath without mixture, God's cup of wrath. And it was poured out on Him. And all the things they did to Him, they did to Him and you... Brother Matthew brought this up to me before service, uh, before we got started. And he was talking about Joseph when Joseph's brothers had sold him into slavery down into Egypt. And remember when they were being reconciled to one another? Joseph, that picture of Christ that he was, he finally reveals himself to them and he says, Look, what you all did to me, you meant for evil, but what God did, what, but what you did for me, God intended it for good. And that's exactly the thing. Uh, they may have t- intended evil toward Christ in the way that they, they treated him in his first advent, but I'll tell you right now, the evil that they intended for him, God meant it for good to everyone that would believe. Because he took upon himself our sin, who was without sin, that we might take upon ourselves the righteousness of God. Well, that is a great offer. (laughs) There's not an offer in the world that's better than that offer that God made toward humanity there when he had Christ to suffer and die. But I'm telling you right now, the day that we look forward to, it's not the day that he was born. We look forward to the day that He comes back. Why? Because we already know Him. And if you don't know Him before that day, it's too late. If it, 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 That's a bad time to meet Him the first time. If you're here today and you're lost, our, our, our encouragement, our, our earnest plea to you would be to seek the Lord while you may be saved. Call upon Him while He is near, for the night cometh when no man will work. There's a day coming when you won't have the opportunity Either it's going to be the day of your death or it's going to be the day that the Lord comes back. And you can say, well, people have been saying that for thousands of years. You know what? That's why it said, I'm going to come back like a thief in the night.
You don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. Nobody knows when it's going to happen. But when it happens, when it happens, Peter says this, that in the day that the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. God started this experiment called creation, didn't He? At the first advent, He made a way of redemption. We worship God the Redeemer now, don't we? Oh, God's still God the Creator. But every person that's been saved, we worship God the Redeemer. Because He suffered and died that we could be saved. We, we worship the Lamb <laughs> who stands before the foundation of the world as it had been slain, don't we? And so when you think of Advent, that's what you think of. Right? I know that this time of year we, think, we start thinking about that baby lying in a manger. He ain't coming back to lie in a manger again. He already did that. His second advent, it's going to be greater for those that are saved. It's going to be more terrifying for those that are lost. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, today's the day to seek Him while you may be saved. Brother Williams, if you've got a song.